The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's that time on a Sunday morning here on Reverie Radio where we talk to Rob Kay. How are you doing, Rob? I'm very well, thanks. How are yourself? Yeah, I am. Thank you. Good. Since the UK left the European Union, British nationals are restricted in how much time they can spend in the Schengen Zone. This has resulted in many spending more time back in the UK. Now, I understand these restrictions have caused residency issues for a number of French resident British nationals and also raise the question, where am I resident? However, before we look at that thorny question, uh, what caught your eye in the past news this week? Well, I, I must start by saying, Harry, it's, it's totally coincidental that this week we'll be discussing the UK statutory residence test and probably venturing into French visas the same week that France introduced a new online system for those living in France who want to apply for French citizenship. This online portal for submitting your citizenship application has been called Natalie. No one seems to know why it's called Natalie, and it's also important to understand its introduction doesn't change the citizenship requirements. The new system has simply been introduced to streamline the application process by creating a single nationwide portal where you can submit your citizenship application online. Once your dossier is submitted, you'll need only one in-person appointment with your local prefecture. You will then, when you'll then be tested on your knowledge of France and French culture to see if you are sufficiently integrated to become French citizens. Successful applicants will then be invited to an in-person naturalisation ceremony, which again is held at the local prefecture. Now on Thursday, France suffered another day of strikes and demonstrations in protest over the government plans to reform the French pension system. Judging by the turnout, the level of support for the strike seems to be waning. But Thursday was supposed to be the last one-day strike before union bosses have threatened to shut France down from Tuesday the 7th of March with what they have described as renewable strikes. As French President Emmanuel Macron seeks to push through these pension reforms, he received some good news this week from INSEE. They announced that French unemployment fell to a 15-year low of 7.2% in the last quarter of 2022. The last time the unemployment rate was at this level was in 2008. Previous to that, it was 1983, which prompted Macron and his ministers to claim via Twitter that joblessness is now at its lowest level in France for four decades. We're all still experiencing the impact of inflation, but as figures published this week indicate, it seems to be reducing, even if it's quite gradual. The US announced inflation had fallen to 6.4%. Across Europe, inflation is now running at 8.5%, and on Wednesday, the UK announced inflation has fallen to 10.1%, which was much more than the expected 10.3%, and down from last month's 10.5%. On the back of the UK's inflation news, the pound fell 1.5% against the dollar, after data indicated that the Bank of England is likely to maintain its downward path on interest rates, while the US Federal Reserve may have to keep rates higher for longer. The plummeting pound was then the trigger for the internationally focused FTSE 100 index to surge through 8,000 points on Wednesday for the first time in its history. Now, finally, Howard, back in France, I was amused to read this week that Emmanuel Macron had to change his theatre plans. Apparently, when Macron's aides watched President Zelensky... Sorry, can you cut that out? Oh, yeah? I'll just go back, yeah? Yeah, yeah. 
Apparently, when Macron's aide watched President Zelensky's address to went to the Westminster Hall, they rushed out an invitation and arranged a late evening visit to Paris. Now, up until the last minute, Macron's agenda had him going to the theatre with his wife Bridget. I'm sure they'll be able to catch up on the on the maybe on the matinee performance, Howard. What a story! Thank you very much for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, has anything specific happened which has highlighted your concerns about residency? Yeah, um, I think I had a growing concern over the past six, maybe even 12 months, about what I consider to be a, a sort of growing malaise amongst Brits who are not French residents. They don't either have a long-term uh, BLSTS visa or a carte de séjour resident permit, but, but quite a few are not really abiding by the EU's residency rules. Anyone who's passed through Nice Airport over the past two years will have queued up in the what I would describe as unclean lane, well, you will have to if you're a British passport holder. When you get to the front of the queue, you then face a border guard who, depending on which side of the bed he or she got out of, they may occasionally growl at you, but more frequently, they simply look blankly at you. Occasionally, very occasionally, you might get a smile. They then put your passport on, under a scanner to check that you're not a person of interest, and then they stamp it to say you've entered the Schengen zone. The scanner does not have the ability to check the dates you arrived or left unless you've been flagged onto the system for another reason. Now, obviously, when the EES system is finally rolled out, potentially in November, and a machine does the checking, your arrival dates will be registered on the system. And if you've not abided by the rules, I'm sure the machines will light up like a Christmas tree. I travel through Heathrow fairly frequently, and last week, the automatic security barrier refused me access, and I was asked to visit the BA desk to have my passport checked. After queuing at, at one desk designated for passports and visas, my passport was checked and a young lady then asked me where I lived and asked to see my residence card. After checking my card, I was allowed to return to the security area where this time the barrier allowed me to access. Clearly, British Airways is checking their passengers because if they refused entry when they arrive in France, BA will have to repatriate them back to the UK. So this sounds all complicated, doesn't it? Has residency become a bigger issue since Brexit? Oh, without question. Uh, until the end of 2020, Brits could come and go without really being checked. Border control took a cursory glance, let's say, at your passport, but, but nothing more than that. Of course, visitors were supposed to abide by the French residency rules, but so many people have been coming and going for so many years, they frequently became very blasé about the residency rules they were supposed to abide by. As most of us know, as a result of Brexit, British nationals who are not officially resident in France can spend no more than 90 days in any 180-day period in France or in the Schengen zone, which you know is, is a problem for lots of people. While Britain was a member of the European Union, Brits were able to freely wander around the other 27 member countries. They could base themselves, say, in France and flip between Spain, Portugal and Italy. Back in those heady days of complete freedom, the main question was, where am I a tax resident? Where should I make tax returns? Or have I become a tax resident in one of the countries I've visited because of the time I've spent there? That all changed on the 31st of December 2020. But the penny has not dropped with some people because once you're in the Schengen zone, there are very few border crossings where your passport will be checked. That only happens when you arrive and when you leave. And frankly, at the moment, if your passport has been stamped numerous times, Border control does not have the EES entry system. 
then it might tighten further when the ETIA system comes into play. The European Travel Information and Authorisation System is introduced. So when and why was the UK statutory residence test introduced? Um, the statutory residence test, um, it, it dictates if or when you actually are UK resident. It was introduced relatively recently on uh, on the 6th of April 2013. So it's about to have its 10th birthday. It was introduced to provide clarity with respect to UK residency. Before its introduction, HMRC simply provided guidance, guidance notes, but they 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 were they were very woolly. The day you arrived in the UK and your day of departure were not counted as days you were considered resident. So as you can imagine, the rules tended to be flaunted. There was actually a famous case, I won't mention the gentleman's name, when these rules were seriously stretched to the limit. And in the end, the UK courts ruled that he was abusing the guidelines. Now you need to remember, back then, the day of arrival and the day of departure were not counted as days when you are resident. So this very wealthy guy flew into London overnight Thursday, arriving in UK airspace after midnight on Thursday night. So he actually arrived on Friday morning. Then he jumped in his car and when he was in his bed in London before 1am. He took his children to school on Friday morning, then spent Friday, Saturday and Sunday with the family in London. And I also believe he had a box at, at either Chelsea or Arsenal. So he was actually quite high profile. Then on Sunday evening, he, f- he then flew out of the UK before midnight. So he'd actually left on the Sunday. Now, under the guideline notes, he'd arrived on Friday, so that didn't count as a day of residence, and he left on Sunday, so also that didn't count. Technically, he was therefore only in the UK for one day, and if he did that every week over the whole year, he would have only accumulated 52 days. So under the guidance notes, he did not qualify as a UK tax resident. However, the courts ruled that his actions were a flagrant abuse of the residency guidelines and he was deemed to be UK tax resident and he was hit with a rather large tax charge. The subsequent introduction of the, of the statutory residence test sought to make the issues of residency a lot more black and white. Yeah, I don't know, it's showing a little bit of initiative. It's a pity that sometimes initiative doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> not with the tax man, Howard. No, 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 not indeed. So can you explain how the SRT works? Yeah, I mean, the test is very prescriptive. A step-by-step process. The first step is is what they call the automatic overseas test. This test takes precedent over any of the other tests. If an individual meets any condition as an overseas resident, they are automatically treated as not resident in the UK. If an individual doesn't qualify under the automatic overseas test, they will be automatically treated as a resident in the UK if they then meet any of the stated UK residency conditions. If the individual's residency position is not determined by these two tests, they must count then the ties that they have with the UK and compare the results with the number of days they've spent in the UK during the tax year to clarify their resident status. There are are five potential ties to consider. Does your spouse or minor children live in the UK? Do you have available accommodation in the UK? Did you work in the UK for more than 40 days in the previous tax year? Have you spent 90 days in the UK in the previous two tax years? And have you spent more days in the UK than in any other single country? These tests operate on a sliding scale. The more ties you have with the UK, the less time you can spend there without becoming UK resident. The fewer ties you have, 
the more days you can spend in the UK before you officially become UK resident. If you decide to live permanently in France, what do you now have to do? Well, since the 1st of January 2021, UK citizens who wish to live, work or study in France for more than 90 days need to have a long-stay visa. You start the process by submitting a visa application and supplying the required supporting documentation to your nearest French consulate in the UK. They are in London, Manchester and Edinburgh. There are various visas you can apply for, but the one we will specifically look at at the moment is, let's say, the basic version, the one a retired person who doesn't intend to work would apply for. As you would expect, your application dossier needs to include a copy of your passport, your birth certificate, and if you're married, a copy of your marriage certificate. You then need to provide proof that you own a French property or you have a valid rental agreement. You must have a clean criminal record and you need to provide a medical certificate and prove you have medical insurance. Now that can be an S1 or private medical insurance. Your dossier also has to include a handwritten declaration which confirms you will not exercise any professional activity in France and you have to include proof of financial means. This means enough money to live in France but to make sure also that you're not a burden on the state. Currently, the minimum income requirement is €19,747. But bizarrely, if you don't have that level of income, but you can deposit €40,000 in your local French bank, that will validate the financial requirements. Obviously, the financial obligations must be supported by bank statements, proof of income, proof of investments, bank deposits, or or even a rental income agreement statement. Once your dossier has been checked, you'll then be invited to attend an interview at the consulate, when you will also be asked to pay the visa fee and hand over your passport. Once everything has been processed, you'll then be asked to return to the visa office to collect your passport, which will now contain the visa. Once you arrive in France, you'll need to register your visa locally by completing an OF11 form and pay again paying another fee. You'll also have to attend a medical appointment and a welcome meeting. After one year, you'll then go through the process again. Then after two years, you can apply for what's known as a multi-year visa, which should take you to the five-year point, when at that point you can apply for a permanent carte de séjour, which will be valid for ten years. Are there restrictions the listeners need to understand when you have a visa? Very, very much so, Howard. I mean, obtaining a visa to live in France does not entitle you to live anywhere you want to in the European Union. You've obtained a French residency visa, not an EU visa. The only way you can roam around Europe, as we did before Brexit, is by becoming a French citizen. Once you're successful and you've become a French resident, you are then the same as the British nationals who apply for a teacher decision under the withdrawal agreement. You can live in France for 365 days a year. You're not time-barred in France. But you can't spend more than 90 days in any 180-day period in any or all of the other 26 European Union countries. One of the validation requirements to maintaining your French visa is you actually have to spend more than six months in France. Again, at the moment. This is difficult to strictly police, but once the EES system is fully operational, it should be a breeze. So if you've gone through the process of obtaining a visa to live permanently in France, you don't want to arrive at a future renewal date and be rejected simply because you've then spent more time back in the UK than you spent in France. Will this be something you'll be discussing at your seminars next month? 
yeah, it's certainly something we might touch on, but, but if we do, it, it will be a very, very minor part of the presentation. As I said earlier, the visa rules are, are, are quite prescriptive. They are what they are, and, and most of the people attending our seminars are, are either already French residents or they will be aware of, of those visa requirements. The seminars will focus on all the changes and developments that have happened over the past few months. As the adverts for our seminars have said, the whole financial landscape has either changed or has been affected by changes, so we have a lot to talk about. Our seminar roadshow started in Western France last week, and it won't arrive here on the Riviera until the middle of March, but places are already being booked, so if you want to ensure you, you've got a seat at any of the three local venues in Aise, Mandelieu or Bia, give the office a call or visit our website. And of course, if any of the listeners would like to discuss their residency or what they should financially do before they become French residents, why not have a chat with one of our Blevins Franks partners? If you live in France, you can call our Valbon office and the telephone number there is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. And if you live in Monaco or you are visit, or visiting our Monaco office, is more convenient for you, call our Monaco office. And the number here in Monaco is 9777-5574. That's 9777-5574. And finally, if you'd like to know more about Blemings Franks, or our, our forthcoming seminars, or if you simply want to make an appointment to meet a Blevins Franks partner, you can always do that via the website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Very topical. Thank you very much. We'll talk again next Sunday. Thanks very much, Howard. Have a great week. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or Riviera at BlevinsFranks.com. With so many options for your UK pension funds, which is best for you? Take regulated advice to understand how all the options affect you. The tax implications in France what opportunities there are, and what may change in future. With our pension, tax and investment expertise, Blevins Franks provides integrated advice based on your situation and aims. Contact Blevins Franks on 0493001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.